0: So you've known the guy who's leading this teacher strike (laughs) for a long time. I've known him for a long time. I've been talking to him for a long time. This is Dana Goldstein. She covers education for The New York Times. And he's a character in my book. Her book is called The Teacher Wars. And Dana says it's not hard to understand how L.A.'s teachers got so frustrated. Just walk into the schools. You'll get it. She spent a lot of time at a high school called Crenshaw in South Los Angeles.
1: It is in a working class, largely African-American neighborhood, and it had a really storied history and a great baseball program. And it had, you know, a lot of engaged families that were proud of this school.
0: Crenshaw is a bit legendary in L.A. When Dana says they had a great baseball program, she really means great. Daryl Strawberry played on the team back in the 70s. But by the time Dana showed up here, the
1: place had really changed. With the birth of the charter sector, they saw a lot of the most engaged families choosing to go to charters. And then what happened is their population was more likely to be students who may be homeless or in foster care or have really high needs. Crenshaw High School nearly lost its accreditation in 2005. The district kept putting in more and more principals to see if they could crack the code of keeping kids in the building and competing more with the charter sector, and the teachers were so frustrated that they kind of staged a mutiny. And the guy leading this uprising,
0: his name was Alex Caputo Pearl.
1: I met him when he was leading a movement to bring together teachers and parents with a vision of how that school could turn itself around in this era of competition with charter schools. And he was a longtime social studies teacher at that school, and he said, You know, it's up to us, the teachers. He got the parents together. They activated this network to demand more technology, better computers at the school, better supplies. And I sat in on one of his classes, actually. And um, they had kids in internships with local nonprofit organizations. They had kids doing graphs to graph the relationship between school funding and incarceration rates in their own neighborhood. So that's the kind of teacher that Alex Caputo Pearl was. I hear
0: this and I think, This all sounds pretty great, but here's the thing. Alex Caputo-Pearl didn't stay at Crenshaw. In fact, he got kicked out in what he calls a case of discrimination against an activist teacher. And then, Alex Caputo-Pearl was elected president of the Los Angeles Teachers Union.
1: He is one of a group of more militant teacher activists who were tired of compromising. They didn't want to compromise with the charter school sector they were mad and they had a very different vision and they unseated a previous generation of union leaders who were more conciliatory
2: Alex! 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 Alex!
1: this week
0: he took his agenda to the streets
2: we have rocked the city of los
0: angeles today and all the demands he talks about they're things any person would want for a school we want class size reduction We want early ed. We want nurses. But he also has a very particular idea of how the city of Los Angeles should meet these goals. If you listen closely, when he says something like this... Schools are not playgrounds for the rich. They belong to the people of Los
2: Angeles.
0: He's really taking aim at charter schools. For leaders like Alex Caputo-Pearl, this isn't just a debate about class sizes or even a fair wage. This strike is a debate about what an education is and who can access it.
2: Do you feel power right now? Do you feel
0: power right now? Today, Dana Goldstein is gonna take us inside the Los Angeles teacher strike. This is the eighth walkout teachers have staged in the last year alone, all over the country. But as these strikes move into big cities, Teachers' demands are changing. Dana's gonna help us figure out what next. Stay with us. With lucky
1: landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps>
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Let's just start by talking about what the teachers are asking for, because pay doesn't seem to be the issue here.
1: It's not the main issue. They've asked for a 6.5% raise, and they've been offered a 6% raise. So it doesn't seem that pay is truly the sticking point. And the union head, Alex Caputo-Pearl, has repeatedly said, we can't be bought off with a raise. And what he means by that is the other issues are more important or equally important. What are those issues? Yeah, so those include more support professionals like guidance counselors, nurses, and librarians, smaller class sizes. And then there's an ideological fight here, a debate that is in some way the core issue, even though it's not in the teacher contract and not what these two sides are negotiating back and forth about. And it has to do with whether the superintendent of the Los Angeles schools, Austin Butner, who comes from a finance background and the Board of Education of Los Angeles Schools, which is elected by the public, it has to do with whether they have a vision for the district, which entails vastly expanding the charter school sector. And many union teachers disagree with that. And that is an underlying cause of this tension that has led to this strike.
0: Yeah, you see principals and teachers talking about how charter schools have kind of just moved in to their neighborhood schools and they can't stop them.
1: Yeah, Los Angeles has the largest charter sector in the nation, and it's considered a high quality sector if you compare it to other charters. So that doesn't mean that all charters in L.A. are better than all traditional neighborhoods hood public schools. That is not the case. But many of them are quality schools. And parents are excited in LA to have this option. And the enrollment in charters has contributed to a decrease in enrollment in Los Angeles traditional schools. And teachers are saying, you've created a system of competition. They compete for space, and they're often in the same buildings so you could see co-located schools so public school on one floor of a building a charter school on another floor maybe the charter school got a great generous donation from a philanthropist and every kid has a beautiful laptop and the public school students in the same building don't have it. so there And the principals can't keep them out, right? It's like they they, are, they have a right to that space. That's sometimes the case, yes. Um, so they're in competition for real estate. And we know that in cities like Los Angeles or New York, that's no joke. That's a real competition in an expensive, thriving, booming city like in L.A. or New York. There's a sheen around the excitement of the charter sector and what has happened is too many neighborhood schools have become choices of last resort for families. And that has led us with a really hard job, not enough money to do it, not enough funds to give our kids what they need to thrive. So that's the overall argument from the union. And there's a lot of persuasive counter arguments as well.
0: Oh, interesting. So, So is that true?
1: I think the picture that they sketch is largely accurate, but then the question is, what's the solution? People who support charter schools and think they're doing a good job um, providing parents with an option that they want and that they're excited about are saying, well, we need to then make our traditional schools more competitive with charters. You know, maybe what parents like is that charters have a longer school day. Principals at charter schools have more freedom to hire and fire teachers, and there's not as many seniority protections. They can be more innovative. So perhaps it is the case, many of these charter supporters say, that if the union were to be more flexible and embrace more innovation, that traditional schools could better compete for these kids, and it wouldn't be this kind of exodus. But how do you compete without enough money? I think that's definitely part of what they're saying. But remember, charters are public schools, too. They may have some private philanthropic funding to prep them up, but they also do rely on the state for those per-pupil dollars that follow the student. So in some ways, there are some unifying issues that educators at both charter schools and public schools, traditional public schools, agree about, which is that the California per-pupil funding formula is not sending them Enough money.
0: Well, yeah, and the, and the California and the Los Angeles teachers are saying that the school district is sitting on $1.8 billion and just not giving it out, right? Yes,
1: that's their claim. Um, the numbers are highly disputed, and the district says that most of that money is earmarked for future costs that have to do with health and pension benefits for current and retired teachers. Um, Teachers do have generous benefits, and some people say too generous. And, you know, the teachers have responded, you know, these are promises that were made to us, to our colleagues. We make a lot less than other professionals. We live in a really expensive city. We can't afford to live close to the schools we work in. We don't feel middle class. And that argument that LA teachers are making really echoes what I heard all across the country with the seven other teacher strikes that I covered over the past year.
0: So you're seeing this one strike in Los Angeles, but you're not just seeing this one strike, you're seeing what else is happening.
1: Right. So over the past year, there were six statewide teacher walkouts. And most of those, actually all of them were in conservative or swing states. And then in Chicago, uh, at the end of the last school semester, there was the nation's first strike at a charter school network. So this Los Angeles action is happening as part of a wave. Here's the thing that
0: hits me about this teacher strike. California is known for its social safety net, sort of the same way New York is, whether it's healthcare or anything else. So what happened here that the teachers are feeling this extreme pain when it comes to their salaries and so so extreme that they've walked out.
1: Yeah. I mean, historically, California is actually different than other liberal blue states. So, for example, New York spends more per pupil. New Jersey spends more per pupil. Massachusetts spends more per pupil. The new governor, Governor Newsom, has promised to increase per pupil funds. But I guess the question is for teachers, union leaders, whether it will be enough. But California has tended to look about middling In terms of the national landscape of how much it spends on schools. But that is surprising to many people because it is a state with a lot of progressive ambitions where you'd think that investment in public education would be a priority. There's one specific law that makes it really hard for them to raise money for schools in California, which is called Proposition 13.
0: The real estate cap.
1: Exactly. It dates back to 1978, and it capped property taxes. Homeowners like to have low property taxes. But this is a main way that schools are funded. And it has made it difficult sometimes to raise money, especially in less affluent school districts. And it puts places like Los Angeles and Oakland, where teachers are also considering a strike at a disadvantage.
0: I mean, the Numbers are really striking. Like I read one principal saying we spend more per inmate in California than we do per pupil, which does seem insane. But it makes me wonder whether the teachers are actually targeting the right people. Like are they
1: negotiating with the right group. That's what's confusing about this whole thing. And the main argument that the district has made, which is that 90 percent of the funding comes from Sacramento, the state capital. And so we, the local district, we have our hands tied. We're not the ones that you should be protesting. The six conservative and swing states that had teacher walkouts over the past year, those were protests against state politicians. Teachers would get on buses and they would go to state capitals from all across these big states like Arizona, North Carolina, uh, Kentucky, West Virginia, and they were going to protest state legislators and governors to ask for higher taxes and more education funding. That's not what is happening in Los Angeles. But I guess why not? Why isn't that happening? That's a good question. I, th- I think it has to do with the ideological background here, which is this dispute over school choice, charter schools, and what the union derisively is talking about is the portfolio model, hmm. basically bringing in different management structures and making a whole choice-based system, which forces schools to be in competition for students' resources and parents' desires and attention. The union leader, Alex Caputo-Pearl, says that this is a vision that is being pushed by outsiders, by wealthy people, um, by folks who don't have deep roots in Los Angeles. That's the argument he makes. And he is saying, you know, enough is enough with this vision. And that is part of this strike, even though it's not in the teacher contract, that is ostensibly the cause of the strike. So it's it's very political. It's ideological. It has to do with two differing visions of what public education should look like. You've
0: written a book about the history of education in the United States. So you're talking about how this is a big philosophical debate. How does what's happening in Los Angeles fit into this wider history that we have of teachers sort of getting involved in these bigger philosophical debates?
1: It fits right in. I mean, typically we see big urban school strikes about these broader philosophical questions about what education should look like. So if you go back to the biggest school strike in American history, the 1968 strike in New York City, it was about whether Black neighborhoods and Black parents should have community control of schools. And that strike really put a halt in many ways to that movement and protected teachers' seniority rights and prevented neighborhoods from kind of having a lot of say over hiring and firing public school teachers. If you fast forward to 2012, the big strike in Chicago, teachers were saying it is unfair to evaluate us by student test scores. And they successfully in that case pushed back against what Mayor Rahm Emanuel was trying to do at that time. That... Philosophy of education reform still exists out in the country, but it's not nearly as popular as it Hmm. used to be. And those Chicago teachers are one reason why, um, you know, they stood up and said we're not willing to go along with it. And so similarly, this strike is kind of, you could see it as a battle royale over charter schools and (laughs) and school choice. You know, the Democratic Party has been fighting about this. All through Obama's presidency, the Democratic Party is split on this question of school choice and charter schools. The unions are very skeptical of this. And then on the other side, there are Silicon Valley philanthropists and people in the New York Wall Street finance world who donate generously to the charter school cause and are really enthusiastic about it and have created a kind of counterbalance in the Democratic Party to the traditional power of teachers unions.
0: Well, I guess what's interesting to me is you're sort of painting this picture where when wider societal conversations are happening, they tend to filter down very concretely to the educational system. And so you're saying that New York strike, you know, it was really about racism and that kind of equality. And this fight over charter schools, it seems to be really a fight over what Equality is.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. It's an interesting debate to have when there's the rise of this democratic socialism within the Democratic Party that you can kind of trace to Bernie Sanders or Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. They're among the National Democrats, along with Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris, who've come out in the past few days to speak very strongly on behalf of the teachers in Los Angeles. Those folks are saying. We don't want to be in competition for resources. That's, that's sort of the underlying argument. A kind of capitalist system, a free market competition is not the right vision for public schools. That really differs from the vision of those who think competition leads to a rising tide for all.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, but in Los Angeles, I was struck by the fact that charter school teachers have begun picketing as well. What do you think about that? I mean, is that a sign? These two sides have been pitted against each other for a long time. Like if you're a parent with a kid in school, you know about this fight. It's familiar to you. But I wonder when you see the charter teachers beginning to also strike, does that signal a change in how we're going to have these conversations moving forward?
1: Well, I think people are realizing that the teachers are actually not fighting with each other. You know, I rarely talk to a young teacher who is saying, I will only work at a traditional public school or I will only work at a charter school. Most teachers coming out of, say, a master's degree program in education are looking for a great job at a school that is high quality with a great principal where they can, you know, serve the kids they're looking to teach in the location where they want to work. And teachers are not ideological usually about this. Um, Some are, but many, I think probably most are not. And so I think for teachers, the level that they are paid is very similar across the two sectors. The benefits are sometimes not always, but sometimes similar. The issue of class size, these are things that teachers care about, whether they work in a public school or a charter school.
0: Yeah, I just wonder if the charter teachers start striking, whether it's a game changer because then all of the teachers are striking and it kind of brings all of these forces to heal.
1: I think it, I think that you're right. But the issue with the expansion of strikes in the charter sector is that it's pretty limited because a small minority of the schools are unionized. And if you strike and you're not in a union, you could just be fired pretty mm. much immediately. So we're I don't think we're going to see a huge number of charter school teachers striking, it's, I think, going to be pretty much confined to those networks that are unionized.
0: What is what you've learned about the history of education in America tell you about how this strike might end?
1: I'm actually having trouble imagining the end of this because the talks are a bit stalled right now. Sounds and, like Washington. Yeah. it's. <sighs> some people have made the comparison to the shutdown in Washington. And the district and the union both feel that they have conceded all they can up to this point. So I think it will take the actions of the governor and the state legislature in Sacramento to bring this to a close, perhaps by offering more money. They've already offered more, but maybe they'll need to come back and offer even more um, to take care of some of the pension and health care responsibilities if the state can take those on to a great degree, then it would free up money for other priorities that the district and union, I think, at their core agree on. I don't think many um, people that work in education in any capacity want to see kids without guidance counselors, without libraries in their schools, uh, without access to school nurses. This is something the district says they would like to be able to do. So it will probably take some political intervention here to bring this to a close.
0: If school systems across California didn't have these big pension bills coming due, would they be worried about the charters in the same way?
1: Would the teachers unions be worried about the charters? Uh, Yes, they would be. And there's been some interesting math that shows that some of the growth in pension and health costs are equal to maybe a few hundred extra dollars per pupil. But the union is making a bigger case for thousands of dollars more per child. So this is not just about money. It's about competing visions of what public education should be.
0: It's philosophical. It's
1: really philosophical. It really is philosophical. It's like spiritual. I think so. I mean, I think there's something about the idea of the neighborhood public school where everybody goes to And you know that's your school, and the school has to serve everyone. You don't have to sign up for some crazy lottery. You don't have to wait on any lines. That's the school. I think that vision is really entrancing to folks. It's a very traditional American vision of what public education is. Charter schools challenge that in a lot of different ways. Um, They actually improve it in some ways in that if your neighborhood public school is not a good one, they offer you an out. You know, the longer I cover education, the more I actually feel drawn to both sides uh-huh. of the argument. I mean, it's it's education is such a complex policy area that I've heard many people say that the longer they delve into it, the less ideological they feel about it. And I count myself among those people who whatever presumptions I had going into this career of being an education reporter, they've been challenged again and again and again.
0: Well, you say the idea of the neighborhood public school is this very American idea, this idea of kind of a meritocracy, like, you know, everyone's going to the same place. We're all in this together. But is that actually how we've run our education system? It's a
1: total fantasy because of residential segregation by class and race. The existing system or the status quo system is so unequal, so segregated that, you know, for many in the education reform world, they say, Uh, We're not waiting around for perfection. We're not waiting around for a wonderful nationwide desegregation program. We're just going to start offering parents options by opening charter schools. So that's the case that they make.
0: Dana, thank you so much for talking to me about this It's My pleasure.
1: I'm really happy to be here.
0: This episode is brought to you by Discover.
2: My name is Jose Rosal and I'm the principal at Telfer Elementary School. Telfer Elementary is located in Pacoima, California. My day began by making sure that our tables were down and that our students were able to come in and sit down and have breakfast. That's something that only happens within the classroom. But because of the strike and we don't have the teachers, we are providing breakfast as a whole group. For all of our students. Not having my teachers here is very challenging. My wife is a teacher at a nearby school, so she goes to strike every morning and I come to work. She has to do what she believes is right. Every day it's getting uh, more and more difficult uh, just with with everything going on and, and not having any kind of conversation between the two parties involved makes it difficult. The things that my teachers are, are striking for, class size reduction, counselors in every school and nurses in every school, is something that, that would be utopia.
0: That's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson and Jason DeLeon, with help from Daniel Hewitt. Rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts to help other people find us. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Mary's Desk. Talk to you tomorrow.